Daniel 12. I was about to say continuing our study through the book of Daniel, but Lord willing, time willing, we're actually going to finish the book of Daniel tonight. So I hope you guys have been blessed by it. I absolutely love the book of Daniel. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. There's only 13 verses here tonight. And Daniel 12 is kind of the final thoughts here on some of the prophecies as we ready to finish this up. Now, just some quick reminders here. We're going to get into the final thoughts on prophecy here in Daniel. And you always got to remember the three points we always make about prophecy. First point is it's important because Jesus himself said it was important. In Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, when Jesus taught on the end times and prophecy, he was teaching us because it's important for us to know it. Now, we don't want to just know it to know its sake. I know people that are very knowledgeable when it comes to end time events, but they don't really have a strong relationship with Christ, which leads us to our next point. The reason we study prophecy is also to take away fear from our lives. As we've said numerous times out here, if we know how the story ends, we have nothing to worry about as we're reading it. We know how this ends. We've read the book. We know the ending. So therefore, since we know how it ends, it takes away fear in our lives. If we know that Christ is going to return and we know we're all going to end up in heaven for those that know Christ, and those things that happen on this world right now really don't matter. It gives us strength and peace to get through it. And the last point about studying prophecy is since we know how it ends, it spurs us on to go speak to those who don't know Christ. Since we do know how it ends, we know the judgment that is coming. We want to go tell our unsaved friends and loved ones about Christ as well. Those are the reasons why we study this prophecy here. Now, with that introduction... Let's jump right into this. Now, this is an interesting chapter because it's really tying up a lot of loose ends. Like I said, it's only 13 verses, but we're going to pick this apart verse by verse here as we always do. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even in that time, at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We're introduced to Michael here again. Now, this isn't the first time we've been introduced to Michael in our study in Daniel. He was in Daniel chapter 10. Now, if you look at the notes there, I like to call Michael the heavy. Anytime you see something that needs to get done, God seems to send Michael. Gabriel's the guy that's good with words, and Gabriel the angel gets to go spread messages. Michael's the one that gets things done. We got a phrase out here at church sometimes when there's a situation that needs to be done. Rich and I will look at each other and say, who wants to be the heavy on this one? Somebody has to be the bad guy. We do that at home with the kids. Sometimes we hear boys screaming and crying, and Dalton and I are both sitting there saying, somebody has to be the heavy on this one, so go do it. So, Michael's the heavy. Anytime God needs to get something done, he seems to send Michael. In Daniel 10, Michael the archangel is fighting. In Revelation 12, he's fighting. In Jude 1, he's fighting. He's the guy that he sends. So what do we have going on here in verse 1? Well, we have Israel being attacked, being attacked by the Antichrist. So God sends Michael to watch over Israel and keep them safe during the tribulation time. Now we're going to do a lot of flipping here today, and it's mostly going to be in the book of Revelation. So keep your hand here in Daniel 12. Flip with me, if you will, to Revelation 12. Let's talk about this for a second here. Revelation 12. Now, we've been doing a lot of end times events on our study here through Daniel, and I'll try to review some of this stuff. And if you've got any questions, as always, we'll get to those too. What you see here in Revelation chapter 12 is really kind of this overview of prophecy, both Old Testament and New Testament. So what you have here in verses 1 through 6 of Revelation chapter 12, you have the symbolic wording here of Satan and his plan of destruction and what he wants to do. 
So what you have going on in verse 1 of Revelation 12, you've got the 12 stars represent Israel. Verse 2, you have Jesus being born. Verse 3, you have Satan wanting to destroy Jesus, and that's what we've seen throughout the Gospels. Verse 4, you see Satan taking a third of the stars, that is a third of the angels with him when he fell. Verse 5, Jesus is born. Verse 6, she goes into the wilderness. Now this is what we want to focus on right here. Verse 5, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. And the woman fled in the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now 1,260 days is three and a half years. In biblical prophecy, a year is 360 days. So 1,260 days is three and a half years. During the last half of the tribulation period, Period, Israel is divinely protected in the wilderness from the Antichrist. Because this is what we know what's going to happen. Stay in Revelation 12, verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels, but they did not prevail, nor was there found for them a place in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Satan is cast out on heaven. This is that last three and a half years of the tribulation. And I don't use this term lightly. This is where literally all hell breaks loose on earth. Judgment is going on. This is a horrible time to be. Wrath is going on. Destruction. Look at the end of verse 12. The devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now look at verse 13. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Who gave birth to the male child? Israel. He tries to go after Israel. Verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she had nourished for a time and times and half a time in the presence of the serpent once again for three and a half years because it was divinely protected during the tribulation period from the Antichrist. This is what happens. The Antichrist to destroy, tries to destroy Israel in the last three and a half years. They're divinely protected in the wilderness. How are they divinely protected? Taking Revelation 12 and taking Daniel 12, it looks like Michael the archangel has a role in this in keeping the nation of Israel safe during those last three and a half years. So that's the first part of what's going on. Now look at verse 2. Now we start getting into the second part here. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. When you see that phrase sleep, sleep always refers to death always refers to death. So what it's saying here is that people are going to be dead, some are going to be resurrected to life, verse 2, some are going to be resurrected to judgment. Well, you can see in our notes right there, we said look in Revelation 20. That's exactly what happens. When Jesus Christ returns in the second coming according to Revelation 19 and 20, the first thing that he does is he has this resurrection of life where those that rule and reign with Christ, those that are born again and saved during that thousand year reign on this earth, we get to rule and reign with Christ. After the thousand years are up in Revelation 20, there's something called the great white throne judgment where then all non-believers are raised. And as they are raised then, then they are judged. Now we got to throw a couple little points out here. Because when you see that phrase sleep, it doesn't mean that they cease to exist when they die. If you've ever seen something dead... It looks like they're asleep. I've told you this story numerous times for those that have heard it. Bear with me. You know where I'm going with this. It was not too many years ago. Lies came running into the house, and we had a cat outside, and I can't remember the cat's name now. It's a really strange cat, and we'll just call him Kitty. Lies came in and said, Kitty's sleeping and won't wake up. Okay, no big deal. Kept going on. Kitty's sleeping won't wake up. 
Okay, comes back in later. Judah's poking Kitty with a stick, and Kitty's sleeping and won't wake up. Now, by this time, I'm starting to kind of think here. Okay, I know cats. Cats don't like being poked with sticks. I go out, and Kitty's dead, and Judah is, looked like I was trying to do CPR on it or something like that. <laughs> that idea of a sleep. Well, when the Bible refers to us being asleep, it's taken some groups to believe in this idea of soul sleep. No, that's not what it's talking about. It means your physical body is dead. Now, your spirit, your soul, lives on and forever and ever. There's numerous references to this. Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Luke 16, we see as soon as someone's died, they're either in, in the uh, blessings of heaven or the, or the tortures of hell there. And so what you see going on is what happens during this resurrection. It's their physical bodies are brought back to be either judged for all of eternity or to be rewarded in the glorified body for all of eternity. So don't look at Revelation 12 and get this idea in verse 2. Well, when I die, I just kind of cease to exist for a while. And then when God wants me, I'm either raised into heaven or I'm then raised to be judged into hell. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is there is a time of reward and there's a time of judgment. And that's what Revelation chapter 20 is talking about right there. So lots of information in those first two verses. And I understand some of that's review. So for some of you, you're saying, okay, we've covered this. I got it. For other ones, you're sitting here saying, okay, I don't know if I followed any of that whatsoever. Real quick, any quick questions, comments, or anything we went over in verses 1 and 2 of uh, the role of Michael, Antichrist, there Israel being protected for the last three and a half years or the judgments that are going to happen there in Revelation? Any quick questions, comments? Okay. Well, once again, what was our third point? Our third point is if we know how this ends, this spurs us on to be different, to tell people. Look at verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I don't say this to pick on you, and I don't say this to guilt you. Don't take it that way. When's the last time you turned somebody righteousness? That's what it's saying there in verse 3. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. If you want to make an eternal difference in your family, where you work, where you go to school, then your sole purpose in life is to point people for salvation, Christ. That is all that matters. Look at verse 3 one more time. Those who are wise shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. We're getting into winter here. You go outside on those crisp, cool nights, you look up in the sky, and it's just a beautiful scene. Beautiful scene. See, from eternal perspective there, somebody who leads people to Christ, and you're shining for the Lord. And that's all that matters. I'm telling you right now, we get caught up way too much in work and life situations, and we don't think enough about our impact we're having on eternity. See, verse 3 of Revelation 12 is trying to remind us, when you lead someone to Christ, when you point somebody towards Jesus, you are making a difference forever and ever. That's what matters? You can look at our notes here that we have. This idea of wisdom. What is wisdom? We just studied this in Luke not too long ago. Luke 6.35, Jesus said wisdom is justified by her children. And then in 1 Corinthians 1.30, if you look at your notes there, the Bible says that Jesus is wisdom for us. So who's wise in verse 3? Somebody who is wise is somebody who knows Christ personally. And since they know Christ personally... They are then pointing people to Christ. I can't stress this to you enough. That's all that matters. It's what happens is we know this, but we get caught up in life. Yeah, I know that's all that matters, but I got a mortgage to pay. I got a job to hold down. I got kids to raise. I got this to do. Yeah, I know all that matters is eternity. I get that, but... 
No. What it comes down to is it's all about seeing people get saved. That matters more than anything. And Daniel is seeing this in Daniel 12, verse 3. He's going over all this prophecy stuff. Verse 1, Israel's being protected by Michael. The Antichrist is trying to destroy them. Verse 2, there's this resurrection where the dead are going to be judged at the great white throne judgment for those that don't know Christ. And the believers get to rule and reign. Okay, that's all great. Verse 3, what really matters is are people saved? That's perspective you have to have and that's what god is trying to tell us here in daniel chapter 12 now before we move on to the rest of this because we're going to change subjects here real quick any quick questions comments here before we move on all right verse 4 but you daniel shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase then i daniel looked and there stood two others one on this river bank and the other on that river bank and one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river how long shall all the fulfillment of these wonders be then i heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time times and half a time when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered all these things shall be finished although i heard i did not understand then i said my lord what shall be the end of these things and he says go your way daniel for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end many shall be purified made white and refined but the wicked shall do wickedly none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand so daniel's asking here when is this stuff going to happen? Well, our first answer is found in verse 4. Many shall run to and fro, and now it shall increase. Now, I've heard many different interpretations on this. And one interpretation I've heard is that, well, obviously knowledge is increasing right now. I mean, if you look at the technological advancements we've had in the last half century, the last century, and the last even decade, it's absolutely amazing. Knowledge is increasing. That's one way to look at it. But I've got to give credit where credit's due. John MacArthur has a really interesting point about this in verse 4. He says, if you really look at the Hebrew of that phrase, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. He says it's really saying many people will be running looking for knowledge. Now, I tell you, I think I have an interesting perspective here as a pastor. And I've been the pastor out here, the head pastor, for the last 12 years. And I tell you, I've never seen so many people interested in wondering who God is. Now, I'm not saying that they go and end up having a relationship with Christ, but people are really wondering what's going on. When everything happened on September 11th, that led to a lot of questions. When you hear something about Iran and Israel, it leads to questions. When you see what just happened with Israel a couple weeks ago going on in the Gaza Strip, it leads to questions. If you watch the nightly news, it leads to questions. There's lots of people in verse 4 running to and fro, and now it shall increase. I mean, it, what, the world's ending, right, or something like that, and December 21st, is that what they said? I mean, I, I tell you right now, a couple years ago, and wasn't they said the word was going to end in May a couple years ago? I lose track of this stuff. And, and I had some people call me up and say, hey, what do you think about it? And I said, listen, you know, the Bible makes it abundantly clear. No one knows the day or hour, so I'm not too worried about it. As soon as someone tells me the day the world's ending, I know I don't have to worry about it. I know they're completely wrong. But I also say this. If the world's ending December 21st, sign me up. I'm okay with that. I don't have to do Christmas. I can return everything we bought. I mean, that's we, we had some staff meetings out here at church, and we were planning New Year's and Christmas Eve and stuff. And we're like, well, you know, the world's ending. Why are we doing this? I mean, seriously, let's not worry about this stuff. But the, the point is, it's not ending December 21st, and I'm not a prophet. But if someone tells me it is, I can automatically tell you it's not. It's just the way it works. And so what happens, though, is there's people running to and fro. So a couple years ago, when that guy said the world was ending in May, and somebody asked me, well, why do you think God allows this type of false teaching and junk to come out? And I thought about it for a while, and I thought, you know how many people now are asking questions about the end of the world? A lot of people started asking. People that normally wouldn't ask, they started asking. And what is that happening? It's verse 4. People running to and fro, and now it shall increasing. There was opportunities to share with people, even by sharing, saying, hey, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. Well, how do you know it's not going to happen? Well, let me tell you how I know it's not going to happen. Because Jesus said, 
then boom, you got an opportunity to share. Running to and fro looking for answers. You, right now, you work with somebody, you go to school with somebody, you maybe even live with somebody who's not afraid to ask you questions about God. They may not have a relationship with Christ, they really may not be deep, but they know they can ask you stuff. What is that? That's a fulfillment of verse 4 of people looking for answers in a world that does not have any answers to them. It's a wonderful opportunity for us as Christians to say, I can give you the answers you're looking for. Because we know what happens. So, when will this happen? When people are running to and fro, now it shall increasing. How long will it last? Verse 7, they come right out and tell us there. A time, times, and half a time. Remember, our time represents one, times then represents two, and a half a time, that's three and a half years. So how long is this going to last? Verse 7, three and a half years. Keep going back to that. Three and a half years. 1,260 days. The last three and a half years of the tribulation is where all this starts to happen. Israel's in the wilderness, protected and you know divinely by God. After three and a half years is where you see the resurrection of the dead and you start seeing these people being judged. That three and a half year time frame is huge. Now, I love Daniel because I love his honesty. Look what he says in verse 4. Daniel, shut this up because you're not going to get it. Verse 8. Daniel, I don't understand it. Verse 9. You're not going to understand. See, I'm also a bit leery when somebody has every answer. That always makes me a bit leery. Every now and then, and this happens, and it hits my pride a little bit, so i got to swallow my pride. Someone will come up to me and ask me a really difficult Bible question. And I'm honest. I'll say, you know what? I don't know. It's not that I don't know because I haven't studied it out. It's not that I don't know because I haven't looked at it. Sometimes some of these Bible questions are like, you know what? I don't know. God has kind of left that one a little blank, a little vague. And I think sometimes the reason God leaves it blank and vague is to say, you know what? It really doesn't matter. Focus on souls and eternity. That's what matters. So then someone will come up and say, well, you remember that question I asked you? I said, yeah. Well, I went and asked somebody else, and they had the answer. Like, oh, come on. I could have gave you an answer too, but I'm, you know, sometimes the best answer is, you know what? Just let it go. Daniel here is saying, I don't get it. And God just taps them on the shoulder saying, it's okay. And how many times do you do that with your kids? I'm at this phase right now with my kids. They're seven, six, four, going to be three. And the last one is, you know, seven months, eight months old here. They have all questions, just deep questions. Sometimes I just make up one. But it's these deep questions. And when we do devotions at night, it just goes to these areas where I don't even know where to go with it. And they just start asking questions. And, and sometimes you have to just tap them on the shoulder a little bit and say, you know what? It's a really good question, and, and God knows the answer. The other day in devotions, Kenan, who's four, for every day his prayer request is, can't we just go to heaven? I say, I agree with you, bud. The other day he wanted to say, in heaven, will I be able to feed a dinosaur an ice cream? I, you know, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> so then, I'm, then my mind is like, okay, you know, the Bible makes it clear that there's, there's going to be animals in heaven. The Bible also makes it clear that the manna that they gave in the wilderness was, wilderness was kind of a sweet treat. So sure, yeah, you can feed an ice cream cone to a dinosaur. Now, he's going to be disappointed for all of eternity if he gets up there and find out it's not true. But they're searching. They want to know. And so what happens is sometimes you do just got to tap people on the shoulder and say, you know what, you need to worry about that. Just let that one go. Here with Daniel. Daniel. Close up the book. Time to be done. Yeah, but, but what about this? Daniel, just let it go. Let it go. And what do you need to focus on, Daniel? You need to focus on verse 10. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Verse 10 is very simply saying, guess what? People are going to be saved. People are going to be lost. I'm not trying to water that down because that's a heartbreaking thing to think that people are going to die and go to hell. But verse 10, God is coming out and saying, listen, some are going to get it and get saved. 
Some aren't going to get it. They're going to be lost. So he tells Daniel, focus on making sure people understand. Verse 11, and from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, that's the abomination of desolation that we've talked about. The abomination of desolation, remember, is during the middle part of the tribulation. The Antichrist, who has fooled Israel for the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, he goes into the rebuilt temple and in, he demands worship of himself. He may set up an altar of himself. He may go into the Holy of Holies himself and say, worship me. So what he's saying is from the time of this daily sacrifice being taken away, this abomination set up, there should be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way to the end, for you shall rest, and we will rise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Look at the two things that God tells Daniel. When Daniel's not getting it, he tells Daniel in verse 10, hey, some people are going to get saved, some people aren't. So the best thing to do is just keep preaching Christ. And then look at verse 13. Go your way until your end comes. See, he just tells Daniel very simply in verse 13, go, live your life, you're going to die, but guess what? After you die, you get your inheritance. That's when the party really starts. See, see, as Christians, we need to reach this point of where death is not a fear. Death is a transition. We have to reach that point. The world lives in fear of death. Hebrews makes it abundantly clear. One of the powers that Satan has is the fear of death. When you know Christ and you know Christ personally, death is not something to be feared. It is exactly what verse 13 says. It's rest and then I get my inheritance. Christ. Now, does that not mean there's some nervousness, some anxiety over it? Let's just be honest, there always is some. You know, I remember Bob Wright used to have the great comment about death. He always used to say, I'm prepared, but I'm not ready. And I, and I look at that spiritually the same too. I'm prepared for death. I know Christ. Christ knows me. I'm going to pay. Am I ready? I mean, I'd like to watch my boys grow up some more. I'd like to see what God's going to do out here at church. I want to be around Dawn some more. I'm prepared, but am I ready? See, God is telling Daniel here, listen. Go your way to the end, have rest once you die, and then you'll receive your inheritance. Jesus has this great comment in Luke 19, 13, where he says, Occupy till I come. Some translation says, Do business till I come. See, this is what happens. I see some Christians get what I call the fort mentality. Hey, the world's going downhill. It's falling apart. We know Jesus is going to return, so we're just going to hold ourselves up. We're going to separate ourselves from the world, and we're just going to sit and wait on the mountaintop until Jesus returns. No way. Jesus said, get out there and do business till I come. Because every day you get out there and live your life, you have an opportunity to impact people for eternity. You have an opportunity to lead a soul to Christ. You have an opportunity to witness to somebody every day you get out there. If we just stay in our little fort on top of the mountain looking for Jesus to return, how many opportunities are we wasting to not tell people about Christ? Get out there. Live the life. And as you live the life, impact people for Christ. Verse 13. Look at it one more time. But you, go your way till the end. Go live your life until you die. For you shall rest. Daniel, don't worry about these things. You're going to have rest. And will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. Don't worry, Daniel. You're going to be resurrected. And as you're resurrected, you will completely get this, understand this. Don't worry about it. Once again, back to the analogy with my boys. I don't know how many times at night they're getting themselves worked up about stuff. So I'm flipping the light off saying, guys, let's go to bed. When you get up tomorrow morning, it's going to be okay. Sometimes spiritually, we need to do the same thing. Lord, I just need to go to bed, file. And when I wake up, everything's going to be okay. Daniel, just don't worry about it. Do you realize, Daniel 12, Daniel never got his answers? He never did. So for you, those in life right now, you're that, you're that type A personality where everything has to be figured out, every I has to be dotted, every T has to be crossed, you know, A, B, C, you have to have it all figured out. 
Daniel 12 is teaching it, sometimes you're just not going to have all this. Just go to bed. God says, I got it. I got it taken care of. And Daniel had to learn. You know what? God says to take care of it. Now think about that for a second, because we just got done studying Daniel here. How many times did Daniel not know what was going on? He prayed for answers, and what did God do? Divinely gave him answers. Here in Daniel 12, he doesn't get the answers. Which shows me spiritually, there's times where the Lord wants me to know something. So therefore, God, you want me to know it? You're going to reveal it to me. You're going to tell me. There's times where God doesn't want me to know something. So we say, it has nothing to do with you, James. Just let it go. I trust him. I need to know it. He'll reveal it to me. I don't need to know it. I just need to trust him that he's going to take care of it. Too many times as Christians, we spend all of our energy on why questions. Lord, why this? Why that? Sometimes you just need to do verse 13. Go to bed. God takes care of the rest. So that finishes our study here in Daniel 12. It finishes our study through the book of Daniel. Lots of stuff there. Now, before we make our final points, anybody got any quick questions, comments here about anything that we covered in Daniel 12 or anything here in the book of Daniel with the prophecies that we went over before we close up? All righty. Final thoughts. Remember this. To point of repetition. It's great to know about prophecy. But head knowledge never does the good that the heart knowledge does. We have the head knowledge of Christ is returning, the judgment is coming, the Antichrist will be here. We know all that. Now, let it go from your head to your heart where it impacts you and how you live and how you act and how you go out there and are a witness and all that you do and all you say. Don't let these words just become things you know. Let it be something where it changes your life and how you live it because you realize the end is coming. And I tell you, trust the Lord on that because he's got the plan all figured out. We just need to trust him. So, last thing here. Anybody got any final thing they want to say before I close up this prayer? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. Thank you for this time to study Daniel. I pray, Lord, that we could just be like Daniel there in chapter 12. Help us just to live the life and rest in you. Lord, if there's someone here tonight full of worry, fear, or anxiety, Lord, Lord take that away from them. Let them know that you know how it ends. you got this all in control. And your peace. Lord, help us then to also realize we know how this ends. Help that to impact us on how we live now and make a difference for all eternity. We truly want to be just like that verse 3 says. We want to be wise in you, making a difference for eternity, and seeing people become stars. That's what help us to live that way as individuals and also live that way corporately as a church. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Let's have a good week and God bless.